Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Thanks for being here today. I'm going to say some pretty serious things today, so uh, put your thinking cap on, and uh, if you have a propensity to be offended, you're going to get offended. So you can leave now if you like, and we'll all watch you get up and leave, or you can stick it out, and we'll just see how this all goes, okay? Um, yeah, 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 okay. Praise the Lord. You can see the title is uh, stark. <laughs> uh, this is not a drill. This is not a drill. And that's really not what you want to hear after the sirens go off, right? Because, you know, back in the day, I don't know if it, you know, this is not a test. Well, someday that won't be the phrase. It'll be this is a test. This is the real deal. And uh, so I'm going to say some hard things, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll have a heart to hear that. And uh, we'll, start with this, we'll start with this statement, and that is, um, our culture is going to hell. And um, I mean, the storm clouds, I, I turned 60 years old this year, and, uh, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a student of history, so my memory is longer than 60 years, which is unfortunate for a lot of people. Their, their memory is only as long as they're alive, right? So you've got to know something of, of history, but just in my short lifetime, I can see that the storm clouds have been gathering and we just wish, we, we, we think somehow that they're just all gonna blow over. Oh, that's just a little thing, that's a little thing and, and it gets chipped away at, culture gets chipped away at and it gets chipped away at and it gets chipped away at and uh, it's not blowing over. And so our defense mechanism is it's not my fault, it's those crazy liberal people that are just shoving that down our throat when in fact, in fact, they're a minority and it probably most likely lays squarely at the feet of those who have in passivity said nothing and done nothing. So uh, that's what we have, the mess on our hands. Um, um, and so I want to I present to you this idea. It began... And it's not, it's not, uh, it's not um, proprietary to me. It's actually a, a futurist, a guy who, who, who writes about things like this. I forget his name right now. But he coined a term called the pink police state. You may have heard of that, pink police? Well, if you were a fan of Marilyn Manson back in the day, unfortunately, uh, there was this scene or two in a, a music video that uh, he put out called The Dope Show, 23 years ago, and um, in it, there's, a, there's uh, a scene or two of these policemen dressed up, dressed up in pink. And that was, it was just a momentary thing in this video, but this future has picked up on it and what it, what it really means, and I'm, so I'm going to try to explain this to you and uh, get us all on the same page. It, this, this, this pink police state means basically that the government... The government will grow and is growing more authoritarian in our lives. And we do this willingly. We let them do it. Um, and we accept it because they allow for our hedonistic ways. Now, if you're not familiar with hedonism, uh, it is a style of life that says, if it feels good, it must be good. If it feels good, it must be great. If it feels good, let's do it, and let's do it a lot. That's hedonism. And so, to distill this down into something that's, that's a little more understandable, is that we collectively allow for the erosion of our society and more authoritarian governmental systems to be activated in our life because they give us a carrot before they beat us with the stick. Okay? 
So that's what that statement means. We, it, it's, it's a slow grind and a, an erosion of civil liberties, of liberty of humanity, basic freedoms, which government does, by the way, doesn't grant us freedom. The Constitution simply enunciates the fact that we are already there, an, an, an inalienable right. In fact, they don't give that freedom, they're just recognizing that freedom. That's what's meant by that, that we are, as humans, free. And so the government will give us things um, to squeaky wheels or whoever the powers may be in order to gain um, an authoritarian stick over their lives. And, and, and you may not be aware of it, but it, it starts and ends somewhere between legalizing sex between men. Who's going to legalize it? Does that make it right? No, not everything that's legal is right. Hello? Right? And so if it feels good, do it. And so, oh yeah, the government allows us to do this. And so we're willing to give up freedoms and liberties to get that stuff. And now gay marriage and legalizing greed and legalizing drugs to keep us numb to the fact that we are falling into an authoritarian state. Uh, totalitarianism is another ism that you may not be aware of, but it's pretty self-explanatory. Total, totalitarianism. They will, they will run everything in your life. They'll tell you where you can go, how long you can go there, what you, should, what you should wear, what you shouldn't wear, how you can speak, what you can buy, what you can't buy. That's an authoritarian towards totalitarianism state. And that's, that's this cute little axiom called the pink police state where they'll give, you, they'll give you these things that entice you, but all the while it constricts your life. So a few examples I've thought, um, and this is really, really strange. When I started looking at uh, the history of uh, Tiananmen Square, anybody aware of what happened in the year 1989? Maybe that's before you were born, but in the year 1989 was a, will go down in history at a, as a cataclysmic year because that's when the Iron Curtain fall, fell, that's when the, the Velvet Revolution happened in Romania and Czechoslovakia, and all of that just rippled through, and it rippled right to this place in China called Tiananmen Square. All in the year 1989. It was a, it was a crazy, crazy year. 1989, and this is a, this is a, this is kind of an iconic picture of this guy carrying a grocery sack, standing in front of these four tanks, saying, "No, you're not going to go do that." Nobody knows who he is to this day. They don't know who he is, but the tanks ran him over and killed 10,000 people that day in the square. I googled that a couple times this week as I was thinking and writing and so on and so forth. More than once, my Google search engine froze up and wouldn't let me research Tiananmen Square. So China scrubs the internet of Tiananmen Square but lets their people have all the porn they can have. In New York City, the mayor is honored for his legalizing of everything, all the while applauded for his crime-fighting policies. We'll give you all this stuff, but we're going to turn the screws on you here. In Chicago, for those of you listening online or viewing the stream that are not from Illinois, God bless you. <laughs> Our openly gay mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, promotes sex changes for little kids, all the while making it nearly impossible for someone to buy a gun, exercise a constitutional right. Springfield, Illinois, at the same time we legalize marijuana, we're told we can't go to lunch unless we wear a mask. So here's the picture the Lord gave me and this is what spawned this entire day for you and for me. It's a picture that pops up on your computer screen that looks like this. It says, we value your privacy. Do they? Do they? 
So what's yes is no, what's up is down, what's right is wrong, and what's black is white, and it's all backwards. They just tell you long enough that we really care about you. So click this yes, and we're going to take care of you. But if, I don't have time to read the paragraph, but we're going to sell everything we know about you to everyone that we know. You, ladies and gentlemen, got to realize that when you get something for free, you are the commodity. When they give you something free, you are what they're purchasing. So the pink police mindset goes like this. We get whatever we want when we want it if we accept the cookies. And every day of your life, cookies, a little platter of cookies is presented to you. And you can get what you want, but you got to eat the cookies first. And so, as I thought on that, I, I wrote this paragraph, and pardon me for reading, because I don't like reading to you, um, but, but I, I try to say it as succinctly as possible. There are this new phrase, the woke, wokeism, the social justice warriors. Um, they're actually clueless, or, or ignorantly or on purpose, clueless of history. And they are the premier political correctness promoters. The cancel culture kings who get their feelings hurt whenever traditional American values or especially biblical truths conflict with their rainbow-colored world. And so they flood every form of media with their antichrist rhetoric. You see it every day and your kids see it hundreds and hundreds of times a day. These people represent the heart of the woke false religion that promotes technology as the modern day prophet and then enables big tech to rule the masses what we see and what we hear and they become the techno priests of this generation. They will determine who you worship, when you worship, how long you worship. They determine what truth is. They already determine what truth is. If you've not been censored on Facebook, are you even a Christian? (laughs) So, the idea that this is not a drill and that we're living in a pink police state is that the government grows more authoritarian and we willingly accept it because it allows for our hedonism. And so I thought and I thought, what would be the best example for us to think about And the Lord said, you know what? We have surrendered our birthright for a bowl of stew. We've taken the cookie. We took the bowl of pottage, as it says, King James readers. Said, okay, I'll exchange my birthright for those little cookies that the government gives me. And if you're not aware of what's actually happening, I mean, you need to be awoken. You need to be awake to the fact that yesterday we got a check from J.B. Pritzker for what was the tax credit? You've heard that you're going to be getting a check. If you haven't already got it, you're going to get it before the election. Trust me. Trust me. You'll get it before the election. So we surrendered our birthright for a bowl of porridge. If you don't know the story, it's in Genesis 25. I don't have time to read it to you today. But it's really the reality since the beginning of time, is it not? The enemy is constantly trying to get us to surrender our birthright, our rightful place, the things that are inalienable, that have been given to us, not by governments, but by God Almighty. And slowly we we take the porridge. And as a result, we have a pink police state. We sell our souls for what we think are freedoms in exchange for a regime that exists not to preserve our liberties, but to guarantee social enlightenment. See, the pink police are not so concerned about whether or not the train runs on time or whether there's people flooding over our southern border. By the way, they're they're actually illegals. They're not undocumented. They're illegals, illegal aliens. 
They're not concerned with would-be invaders or porous borders. No, what really matters to the God of wokeism is whether or not its citizens are being sufficiently nice to each other. So here's how it works. In the world of the pink police, your business is everybody's business. Your self-fulfillment is everybody's duty. Each citizen is entitled to liberation, liberation from the oppression, the oppressive structures of tradition. Does that sound like a, a gateway to hedonism? Be free of all of those constraints of the Puritan lifestyle. Be free from your present suffering. And if somebody hurt you in the past, we'll make them pay for whatever it is that they did to you. And all the while, this, you, you, it's your world. Turn it into whatever you want it to be. There's nothing that man cannot do. And if you think that there is something that man cannot do, but given a little more time and a little tech, more technology, we'll be able to do it, you belong on the top of the Tower of Babel. I'm guilty. I don't know the answer. Where's my phone? I'll give you the answer because I know everything. And if we, if we can't get to Mars, we're going to get to Mars, there's going to be 100,000 people living on Mars by the year 2035, Elon Musk said this week. And eventually we'll be able to do anything we put our minds to. Then you forget who God is. And then, and then, all the while, we embolden criminals. We embolden criminals. The Illinois Safety Act. Now, just think of what I just said, Safety Act. Because what's right is wrong. What's black is white, what's up is down. It's always the opposite. The Freedom Act. The Safety Act. You're not familiar with the Safety Act? You will become January 1st when someone decides they want to live in your garage. And so the mayor of Orland Park in Chicago, God bless this man, he spoke for a minute in front of the city council explaining to his community what the Safety Act means, and it's already ready to go into effect. I mean, there are, there are our, praise the Lord, for our sheriff, Jack Campbell, who is suing the, the mayor. Now listen, I... Listen, if you don't like talking about politics, well, then you don't like to be alive because politics just simply means this. A sh we both are agreeing to live by this rule. That's what politics is. Policy. What is the, how are we going to live together? We both agree this is what we're going to do. That's what politics is, okay? Policy. So, so God bless Jack Campbell for suing the, the governor. I hope there's some sort of stay put on the whole thing. But come January 1st, if someone commits second degree murder, they don't stay or go to jail. Aggravated DUI. Kidnapping. Get them a ticket, give them a ticket. Now you and I, we're good people if it, for the most part. You know, when we get a ticket, we go pay our ticket. Or we have to go to court, we go to court because this is what we do. But criminals don't do that. Oh, you gave me a ticket. Rip, rip, rip. So this mayor, this mayor in Orland Park, he said it very succinctly. It's just a minute clip. Let's go ahead and play it so you can see him. As of January 1st, 2023, the following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. It abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes, but isn't limited to, kidnapping, armed robbery, second-degree murder, drug-induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska before we can even look for them. It denies victims their constitutional rights. And keep this in mind, businesses and homeowners, officers will no longer be able to remove trespassers from your resident, residence or your businesses. Someone could decide to live in your shed, and all we can do is give them a ticket. You have to decide what level of force is required to remove them, and whether or not it's legal. This is a massive threat to the residents of Oral Park, Cook County, and Illinois. 
Some cities have done it, like San Francisco. That's why people run in with grocery carts and take $600 worth of stuff and just walk out of the store because the police can't do anything about it. This is the first time an entire state has done it. The track record is not good in the cities that have done it. And now this is the state we have. How did that happen? Well, snowflakes get their feelings hurt. And you got to be nice. You got to be nice to everybody or we'll ban you. I don't know. I have money in PayPal. Anybody else have money in a PayPal account anywhere? Somebody, don't be too embarrassed. But, you know, we do pay things occasionally with PayPal. You have money in PayPal. Let me tell you about PayPal. If you want to use your PayPal money to buy ammunition or buy a gun, that's against their policy. So if you like digital currency, whether it's run by PayPal or the United States government, all they do is flip a switch and say, you can't buy that. That's all they do. Boom. Oh, you want to buy a gas-guzzling car? Sorry, only cars that make 60 miles to the gallon and are electric are purchasable with your money. Click, you can't buy one. They just stop you. But look at all the good things they're giving you, though, see. So PayPal, I know this is a fact, bans you, confiscates your money for, for no less than six months, and bans your family and immediate family from PayPal, freezes your family's assets as well as your assets. So you got a couple thousand dollars in PayPal, X, Y, Z, boom, it's not yours anymore because you broke the rule. You tried to buy a gun. You tried to buy a box of ammunition. And do you know this? That if you actually get it done and they see that you did that, they can then internally fine you $2,500 per transaction. So you buy three boxes of ammo. Now all of a sudden, you didn't just pay for the ammo. You have a $7,500 fine because you tried to buy ammunition. So... The, the, picture the, the picture the Lord gave me is like, it's like, you know what an anaconda is? You know what, a, like, a, like a python, a constrictor? It just gets around your middle, and at first it's just this nice little snake, but next thing you know, you can't breathe, and you die. Back in 1995, some of you weren't alive back in 1995. I was alive back in 1995. And there was a little bit of a foretaste of the pressure during the AIDS epidemic towards people that, listen, I love gay people. I think there ought to be a cure. I think there ought to be a cure for AIDS. But if you, unless you walked the party line and embraced all that was wrapped up in what AIDS was, you were ostracized. You're a bigot. You're a homophobe. So I have a little a minute clip of 1995, something that you may have seen. Uh, okay, you're checked in. Yeah, thank you. Here's your AIDS ribbon. Uh, no, thanks. You don't want to wear an AIDS ribbon? Uh, no, no. But you have to wear an AIDS ribbon. I have to? Yes. Yeah, see, that's why I don't want to. But everyone wears the ribbon. You must wear the ribbon. What you are? You're a ribbon bully. Hey, hey you, come back here. Come back here and put this on. <laughs> Where's your ribbon? Oh, I don't wear them. You don't wear the ribbon? Aren't you against AIDS? Yeah, I'm against AIDS. I mean, I'm walking, aren't I? Just don't wear the ribbon. Who do you think you are? Put the ribbon on. Hey, Cedric, Bob, this guy won't wear a ribbon. Who? Who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? <laughs> so, what's it going to be? Are you going to wear the ribbon? No, never. But I'm wearing the ribbon. He's wearing the ribbon. We are all wearing the ribbon. So why aren't you going to wear the ribbon? This is America. I don't have to wear anything I don't want to wear. What are we going to do with him? I huh? guess we're just going to have to teach him to wear the ribbon. Oh, I told him he'd never. That's what uh, comedy is truth. Exposed, right? That was 1995. Cicero, um, uh, who was a contemporary of Julius Caesar, uh, 
before Christ in 50 BC. He said, if you never learn history, you are destined to always be a child. Which means, if, you're, if you don't have anything bigger than your life to draw upon for wisdom, you're doomed. You've got to understand history. And so, in light of that, I have a moment to share with you a little bit of a history lesson from uh, the Communist Manifesto that Karl Marx wrote, which began communism and uh, all that was eventually taken down in 1989 uh, when the wall between East and West Germany fell. But back it up to the the Communist Manifesto that Karl Marx wrote, um, they had a slogan, and you put this sign in your window. And the slogan was this, workers of the world unite. I mean, what's wrong with that? That sounds good. Workers of the world unite. The words themselves are not evil. However, the essence of the slogan was used to divide the nation between the haves and the have-nots. Marx was saying, if you do what we tell you to do, if you unite and you do what we tell you to do, oh, we're going to make sure you get lots of money and you're going to have a good life. Socialism. We'll take care of you. Womb to the tomb. That's what it is. That's how it began with Karl Marx. Fast forward to Czechoslovakia. If you're my age, you know what Czechoslovakia is, but Czechoslovakia is not today. It is Slovenia and the Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia. It used to be Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, these Eastern Bloc countries prior to 1989. Why? Because Soviets just chewed up land, chewed up countries, and put an iron curtain, as it were, around them and said, you're not getting out. This is, you belong to us, and we're going to rule you. Well, there was a man who had a contrary opinion. His name was Vaclav Havel. He said, courage is to go against the majority opinion in the name of truth. And so he became later became the president of Slovakia, a great dissident, if you will. And he got himself in trouble when he wrote things like the power of the powerless. And that got him thrown into jail just for what he wrote, for what he said, a First Amendment violation if it was an American situation. But you can't say anything against the state or they'll throw you in Facebook jail. I mean, they'll throw you in a gulag. (laughs) I'm not comparing Facebook jail to the gulag, but it's called a soft totalitarianism, my friends. The pink police state is on the march. And so he wrote this beautiful little thing in The Power of the Powerless. And uh, he says, I I never really, this is after he got out of prison and after at the end of his life. He says, I never decided to become a dissident. We were transformed into them without quite knowing how it happened. Sometimes we ended up in prison without precisely even knowing why we were in prison. They didn't tell us. We simply went ahead and did the certain thing that we felt we ought to do, and that seemed to us to be a decent thing. So we went to prison for writing this. Consider a grocery store owner living under communism. These are his words. He puts a sign in the shop window saying, workers of the world unite. He's a grocer. He does it not because he believes it. He simply doesn't want trouble. He doesn't really believe it, so he hides the humiliation of his coercion by telling himself, well, what's really wrong with workers of the world uniting? Community fears allows the the official government ideology, ideology to retain power and eventually change everyone's beliefs, including the grocers. Those who live within the lie, says Havel, collaborate with the system and compromise their full humanity. However, every act that contradicts the official governmental ideology is a beautiful denial of the system. So, That if the grocer stops putting the government sign in his window, what happens? If he refuses to go along to get along, 
Quote, his revolt is an attempt to live within the truth and it will cost him plenty. He will lose his job and he will lose his position in society. His kids may not be allowed to go to the college they want to go to or any college at all and people will bully him or ostracize him. He's being prophetic, isn't he? By the bearing, by, but by bearing witness to the truth, the grocer has actually accomplished something potentially powerful. He has said to, that the emperor has no clothes. And because the emperor is in fact naked, something extremely dangerous has now happened. And by his action, the grocer has addressed the world. He enabled everyone to peer behind the curtain. And he has shown everyone that it is possible to live within the truth. And because they are public... The grocer's deeds then are inexplicably policy, political. He bears witness to the truth of his convictions by being willing to suffer for them. He bears witness to the truth of his convictions by being willing to suffer for them. Don't tell me this is your conviction if you quit when it gets a little hard. That's what he's saying. This grocer bears witness to the truth of his conviction by being willing to suffer for them. He then has become a threat to the system, but he has preserved his humanity. And that, says Havel, is a far more important accomplishment than whether his party or his political power holds true. Well, that doesn't happen today. No? Well, look at the tweet from, San, from uh, the San Diego Police Department. Today we are proud to announce that our Safe Place program is to mark businesses that are safe from hate, starting with our LGBTQ business here in Hillcrest. These decals in the window let you know that you can feel safe in an establishment and how to report a crime. Learn more here at sandiego.gov. I don't want to wear the ribbon. I think all people should be treated fairly. Then why aren't you putting the sign in your window of your shop? You bigot. You're a homophobe. You're a transphobe. That's what you are. No, I think everybody should be treated equal, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, as the green grocer says, I'm not going to surrender my humanity to keep in march with what you think I should be doing and saying. Washington Post writes this. Oh, the spread of Catholic hospitals limits reproductive cares across the United States. Washington Post worries that America has too many Catholic hospitals. Why? Because they don't kill babies on demand. That's why. Why? Well, there's too many Catholic hospitals that are saving babies. That can't be. We must allow the hedonistic society, if it feels good, that baby's going to get in my way. That baby's going to be a problem. That baby's going to cost me a million dollars by the time they're 18. Kill the baby! Says the Washington Post. I found one in England that I just had to share with you. It's not America, but this is in England. Right now, there's a two-block zone around an abortion clinic. You're not allowed to cross yourself. That's hate speech. Can't cross yourself. As a Catholic, somebody's walking up the street two blocks away from the abortion clinic. You cannot cross yourself. Oh, we're way past gay and lesbian, ladies and gentlemen. We've got LGBTQIA+. That's, that's the long version I could find. Lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, asexual, and then we just slap a plus at the end just in case we didn't get you. <laughs> Sometimes, Chicago, this past summer, headline, Chicago Marathon adds non-binary to the category of runners, but non-binary runner says that's not enough. Not enough. We got to chip away more. You must affirm my, bi bi my non-binary. I'll surrender all these other rights, but you got to let me feel good about my perversion. It's a pink police state. 
And by the way, if you're unfamiliar with non-binary, it means you're don't really you can be anything you want to be. You you can be a man one day, you can be a woman the next day, or you can you just decide whatever you want to be. In fact, in New York City right now, you used to have to have a doctor to have to give an affidavit that says Larry is now Lisa. He's had a sex change. Now all you have to do is just mark a box X. In fact, a parent, boy, girl, or X in New York in the state of New York, it's all it takes. Furries? Are you familiar with furries? High school students, even adults, thinking they're animals? Then we're transphobes. This is the headline in the gay newspaper. Transphobes are worried that schools are installing litter boxes for furry students. We're transphobic because we don't think it's a good idea to put kitty litter in the high school bathroom so that little boys and girls who think they're a cat can take a leak in kitty litter. How's that happening? Our silence, afraid to take the grocery sign out of the window for fear you'll be punished. Well, if you're not willing to be punished for your belief, is it a belief at all? I have frequent flyers, Miles with United. You can register now as a Mr., a Ms., or an MX. You can be anything you want to be. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a drill. <laughs> this, is not, this, is not, this is not me whipping up what if. No, these are facts. Go to the United website today. Go to New York City today and say, I want to give uh, hormone blockers to my, to my five-year-old. They'll say, sure, no problem. You don't need a doctor, just mark X right here. World's upside down. You may or may not be familiar with a man by the name of George Orwell. He wrote a book called 1984 back in the day. Well, 1984 is long past, and this is what he said. The Ministry of Peace, which is in his book, concerns itself with war. <laughs> the Ministry of Peace actually concerns itself with war. The Ministry of Truth deals with lies. The Ministry of Love with torture. The Ministry of Plenty with starvation. These contradictions are not accidental, nor do they result from ordinary hypocrisy. They are deliberate exercises in doublethink. This is the day in which we live. This is why when people say that's Orwellian, ladies and gentlemen, we are living in an Orwellian society, a pink police state, where unless the children of God decide to, decide to stand up to the Nebuchadnezzars of the world, you will go down the drain. You will be a memory. You will be a blip in history unless you realize there is something at work. And it may not be one guy in a corner office somewhere wringing his hands, ha, 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 we're going to get the Christians, but there is a demonic force at work in the world that somehow comes together and says, I must have their birthright. So what's our reality in 2022? Well, people throw this word democracy around, and it's not what it's like was a princess prize. I don't think that word means what you think it means. The word democracy now merely refers to a hypothetical goal that gives whoever invokes that holy name the mandate to do whatever they want. In the name of democracy. You don't even know what that word means if you're trying to tell us this is what democracy is supposed to be. And so my point is this. All right, here's the point. It's the advice of Jesus. Three things. Number one, I'm not going to elaborate. They're going to be simple. Number one, find a close-knit group of fellow believers that you know will have your back. Number two, fortify your faith. And number three, oh boy, prepare to suffer for your belief. Now, you want to be a Christian, this is my advice to you. This is my advice to you. It's the advice that Jesus gave. Get a close group, knit group of people. Whether it's connect group or this, this right here, this right here is not a close knit group of people. Yes, we love each other. It's a great place to hang out. And you know half a dozen people, but you don't, the front row doesn't know the back row. Those people over there may not know, even know them over there. You got to have, well, Jesus had 12, but even within the 12, he had Peter, James, and John. He had three homies that he hung with, got my back, and even they fell asleep. So you find a close-knit group of fellow believers, then you fortify your faith. What does that mean? Do you know how to pray? Do you know how to study the Bible? Do you know how to read the word? 
Do you have devotions in the morning and at night? Is it more than just a platitude? Do you do it because the pastor says or because you have a thirst to know the creator of the universe who will judge you someday? And then number three, prepare to suffer. I know, that's not a popular, hey, hey, prepare to suffer. But unless you know that suffering is headed your way, when it comes, you'll be that much more likely to fold like a violet in the hot August sun. You'll shrivel up and you'll die. So you prepare. I mean, we don't look for opportunities to be martyred. It's a gift you only get to give once. But you've gotta be prepared to suffer, okay? Wow, that's a lot of, that's a lot of bummer stuff there, Pastor. Where's the, where's the sermon text? Here it is, write it down, John 15, 25. But this is to fill what is written in the law. Jesus says, they hated me without reason. Then, can, then the counselor, the Holy Spirit comes, who will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, and he'll testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you'll not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, in fact, I in fact, in fact, there's a time coming when anyone who kills you thinks they're actually serving God. So if you're not willing to suffer for what you hold is true, then all you have is a wishful ideology. If you're not willing to suffer for your faith, even die, for Christ, you're a hypocrite who's, who's really, truly only God is comfort. You cave for comfort. So I, I note that Jesus doesn't have admirers. He does from a distance, but what he calls us is supposedly disciples because admirers never make a true sacrifice. Admirers don't make sacrifices, disciples do. They're willing to reshape their lives to the words of Jesus. That's what disciples do. Admirers play it safe as a distance. Disciples stand up while others kneel. You take up your cross, carrying it, that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable not being popular, not being liked, because you won't wear the ribbon if you don't want to wear the ribbon or you don't put the sign in the window. And your silence, your silence just makes you complicit. It's not enough just to go along to get along. To go along to get along is to compromise your birthright for a bowl of stew. Well, they're leaving me alone and you know, the nail that sticks up gets hit. Yes, it does, and Jesus did for you. Christians, when we hold to biblical teachings about sexuality and about marriage, you know what we are? We're, in this, we're, we're racists now. We're racists because culture calls us that. It's not a drill. So, Vaclav Havel was in Romania, Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia. There was another man, same year, 1989, that's the Tiananmen Square, that's um, the Velvet Revolution, that's what it's called uh, in the Eastern Bloc states. And then of course we know the Iron Curtain between East and West Germany, 1989, tear down this wall, et cetera, et cetera. Well, there was another man, also popular at this time, his name was Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian and he got thrown into the gulags. You know, oh, so socialism, that's great. Ask anybody who thinks socialism is great if they even know what a gulag is. So Stalin, um, in 1937, he, uh, Solzhenitsyn writes this, the crowd delivered a standing ovation to Joseph Stalin talking about Marxism and communism. The crowd stands to their feet and begins applauding this message that he's just speech he's just given. And he writes this, 
The standing ovation continued nonstop for 11 minutes. The applause finally subsided when the director of a local newspaper factory stopped clapping and sat down after 11 minutes. Later that night, that man was arrested and sent to the gulag for 10 years. During his interrogation, he was told by the Soviet captors, don't ever be the first to stop clapping. That's why he was arrested. He was the first who said, 11 minutes, come on. Let's sit down. So I've got some, I've got some pretty interesting things about Alexander Solzhenitsyn that I could share with you. The most poignant is that he, he, he wasn't, he was raised as a Christian, then he became an atheist. He got thrown into the gulags. While he was in the gulag, uh, there was a physician that was also captive in the gulag with him. That physician witnessed to him that evening about the love of Jesus. Solzhenitsyn later that evening then turned back to his childhood faith in Jesus Christ that night. That same night, the doctor was clubbed to death by the Soviet captors for telling him about Jesus. Solzhenitsyn would, be, would go on to become the man who led the exposing of the communist system of the Soviet gulags. See, left unrestrained, left unrestrained, the prophecy of John 16 too. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he's, he's offering a service to God. The most, I mean, there's many, 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 but as I bring this to a conclusion for you, I want to draw your attention to Babylon, and I want to draw your attention, and, and, and uh, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, well, America's a Christian nation. America's not a Christian nation anymore. Um, oh, there, there's, a, there's a culture war. Yes, there was, and we lost. Um, th these are not edifying words. Well, you're giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm just trying to tell you what's coming down the pike. Now, short of a great, a great revival where all America gets saved, you're going to be thrown in some sort of gulag for standing up for Jesus, clubbed to death by the Soviets, whatever that looks like in today's soft totalitarian regime. And if you're not willing to suffer, then you got no business reading Daniel chapter three where Nebuchadnezzar required everyone to bow down to the 90-foot golden statue. So the lessons of Daniel I'll give to you in the next eight minutes, here they are. Number one, you gotta learn to stand alone. Get that close group of people, get your Peter, James, and John, get your 12, get your Peter, James, and John, but even they fell asleep. You gotta be willing to toe the line Put, and that's a boxing term where you put your toe on the line. You're going to toe the line. I'm here. Take your best shot. You know what? And even if we do burn, even if you do knock my teeth in, if you've never read any of the persecution that has happened to Christians, uh, if you've never read Fox's Book of Martyrs, or you've never, even, even, even more modern things like during the times that I'm talking about, where, Christ, where hot pokers were heated up and stuck in places. Where Christians were tied to a cross and all the inmates were forced to defecate and urinate on them. And then they scraped it off the prisoner and they put it on communion plates and made everybody who thought they were a Christian eat feces and urine as the blood and body of Christ I'm not making this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. This is the stuff I read, and this is what puts fire in my belly to tell you, you better wake up, ladies and gentlemen, because if, you, if your history begins the day you were born, you're destined to fall into this trap. Well, America's been around forever. America's a very young country, ladies and gentlemen. If you think America's gonna last forever, I think you're deceived. So, you prepare yourself, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, what's the deal there? I don't know if you ever really thought about this or not. I have. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were taken, taken in exile into Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar puts this big gold because worship, it's all about worship. It's always about who you're going to worship. You're going to bow your knee. You're going to bow your knee to science, the God of science. We're going to follow the science right to the pit of hell, you will. How about you follow Jesus? That would be a better axiom. That would be a, that would be a better tattoo, Aaron, right? Follow Jesus. That would be good. So all of these, all, all of these, what does all of these mean? There were 10,000. There were 10,000 captives in Babylon. 10,000 and only three wouldn't put the grocery sign in the window. No, no. We can't do that. We'd surrender our humanity. We're not going to be part of the system. We're in it for the long game, remember? The only thing that really matters is what matters forever. The only thing that really matters is what matters forever. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood. So number one, we learn to stand alone. As, as stark as that sounds, that's the reality. Unless you're willing to stand alone, though none go with me still I will follow do we do we believe that or is that just some sort of cute platitude we sing on Sunday morning no 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 you must be willing to stand alone number two you got to relearn the fear of God those three men feared God more than they did the fires of Nebuchadnezzar even heated seven times hotter Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. The fear of the Lord leads to life. You want to live? Then begin by fearing the Lord. Not what man can do to you. Not what man can do. Are there moments of weakness? Like, oh my God, that's, that's really going to I'm going to contemplate. Well, wait a second. What did he do for me? Okay, and, and, and I'm in this for the long game, right? And I'm only going to live 70, 80 years or whatever. Okay, a light momentary affliction. All right. Oh, my gosh, you know what I'm just reminded of? I'm reminded of an early, oh, I got time. Can you give me just a minute? From, if you, Fox's Book of Martyrs, I'm reminded, thank you, Holy Spirit, of a man by the name of Polycarp. It's really a crazy name. The guy's name is Polycarp, right? But he was actually a disciple of John. Not John the Baptist, but John the Revelator. He's, he, 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 he walked with John and, 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 and Rome came for him because they saw, they, saw in the, they saw in the arena how it pleased the masses to feed Christians to the lions. And Polycarp was like the next generation. So they said, go get him. Where does he live? He lives in Smyrna, modern day Turkey. They had to go all the way to Turkey to get this dude and bring him back. And they brought him into the, and, well, when they came to get him, you know what he did? You know what he did? He didn't get out his 380 and shoot him up. You know what he said? Hey guys, welcome. Let me cook you some dinner. It's recorded that he cooked them. He offered to cook his captors a dinner before they took him off to the gulags, to the Roman amphitheater. And he gladly died for his faith. Polycarp. He's your relative. He's my relative. That's family history. That's family history. And he'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he'll look across the table at you and he goes, well, you know, lions tore me apart. Well, actually, actually they tried to burn him. Actually, they tried to burn him. And the flames created a golden halo around him that, that did not touch him. So the, the captors, oh, it's all coming back to me now. The captors grabbed, gra uh, grabbed a dagger and they leaped into the fire and they stabbed him in the chest. And the water from his body put the flames out. He's going to be at the marriage supper lamb. He's going to look across the table at you and he's going to say, this is what I did for Jesus. This is how I suffered for Jesus. What did you do to be at the table? Oh, well, they said some really bad things about me at work. And, you know. <laughs> you know. Number three. It's not necessary to win in life in order to win the in the life to come. We play the long game. He 
who gets the most toys at the end of his life still dies. We're, we're, this is the long game for us. This, this little world you have right now, I preached on death. I'm really on a roll here, aren't I? I preached on death uh, a couple weeks ago. And just as a reminder, we have to, we have to go into the future with our eyes open. If it's just some sort of panacea, oh, you know, and, and unicorns are pooping glitter, and there's rainbows everywhere, and it's just awesome, and it's great, and it's, oh, it's so wonderful, uh, you're not going to make it. You're just not going to make it. And my call in life is to help prepare you for those times that are coming. Better to be prepared and not have it be so than to be unprepared, ill-prepared, and die on the battlefield saying, Pastor never told me. And number four, finally, there is power in a faithful witness. All the way to martyrdom. And back to our story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What happened? They got thrown in the fiery furnace, heated seven times hotter. Did they die? No, there was a fourth man into the fire, one like in the Son of God. So much so that when they came out, Nebuchadnezzar said, their God is God. Everyone should now serve their God. Nebuchadnezzar served the Lord. You never know who might believe as a result of your witness of your willingness to stand up at the school board meeting. Your willingness to stand up in the neighborhood association. Your willingness to stand up at the city council. Oh, they're going to call you all kinds of names. You bigot, you homophobe, you transphobe, you, you, you Christian. Oh, if you don't think that's going to be a, a word that has disp- that's despised in our culture, you're living in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a make-believe world. You, you're one of them. You actually believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You're, a, you're, a, you're worse than a, you're a racist, you're a bigot. You, your kind should be done away with. You just only cause problems around here. Finally, George Orwell has a quote from his book in 1984. He says, the choice for mankind lay squarely between freedom and happiness. And for the great bulk of mankind, happiness was far better than freedom. If serving the Lord seems desirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the God of your forefathers... who served beyond the river or serve the God of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I pray that's your determination, that you'll serve the Lord. You prepare your children and your grandchildren. Listen, guys, this may not get easier I pray that it does get easier. I pray there's a worldwide revival and it sweeps in and people are praising God in the courthouse. And in the... But if not, are you prepared to suffer for your faith? And if not, you only have some sort of ideology. You don't have faith. You have pie in the sky wishing that when the heat of persecution comes, you will wither. And it's my intention that you not wither, that you learn what it means. And if history is part, and I truly believe that knowing history is part of what gives you the determination to pass through what lies ahead. If you don't know the price of freedom for our country, will you fight for that freedom? Oh, we don't have compulsory, I'm way far afield now. We don't have compulsory uh, military anymore. We have people that, that have no idea what it's like in third world countries ruling us and, and despising um, borders of a country and what it means to, to have liberty and freedom. And so it just gets eroded, it just gets eroded. Unless we know a generation ago, how many people, I would have a generation, how many people know somebody that's died in war? Half the hands would go up. Today, maybe a few. 
same sacrifice, but because there's fewer and you don't know the history of what it, what it means to sit in a room like this today where I get to say, at least for a while longer, stuff like I've just said. There are new Alexander Solzhenitsyns. There are new Vaclav Havels. They're, they are in the wings and they are coming to the fore. Will it be you who's willing to stand up and say, you know, I'm just not going to do that. Well, don't you care? I do care, but I just, no, I'm just not going to do that. And then be willing to suffer the consequences of your choices. Otherwise, we will go the way of the Roman Empire, strongest empire ever known to mankind on the face of the the earth. 200 years after Jesus was nothing but a rubble. The Colosseum was just ashes. So, praise the Lord. (laughs) You know? So, so I I don't know what category you put this in, some sort of halftime speech that you know, the coach gives the football team. Says, listen, at best, the score is tied right now. At best, the score is tied. Most likely, we're down several touchdowns. And you're gonna have to dig deep if you wanna win this game. That's, that's, that's my prayer for you. I am extremely hopeful. I am extremely hopeful for you. There's a fire in you. I see that. That's why you're here on a rainy. God gave you every excuse not to be here today. And there's some people here today that should have been that, that aren't here today. They should have been here today, but it was just too wet. It was just too cold. It was too inconvenient. Well, it wasn't super convenient for Jesus to hang on a cross, now was it? And you can't get your sorry self out of bed and walk 300 feet in the rain. What's wrong with you? That's a first world problem, sir. There are people dying for their faith, and you you see now. You see, I just can't. I just can't go there. I just can't go there. I just can't go there. Because the pastor in me needs to be compassionate and kind. That's why we have Ryan. That's why we have Ryan. I mean, Ryan's got fire, but Ryan loves people. I love people too. But you guys got to understand, these are the last days. And that's just not some cliche. We are farther along in the, in the regime of what last days means today than we were yesterday. We are the tip of the spear. And the tip of the spear is where things get hot as they fly through space, that's where the tip of the shuttle gets the hottest, right? So, so be, be ready for the heat that's coming to the kitchen. So you say, yeah, yeah, pastor, you're right, thank you. I buckled down with my family. I buckled down with my own life. I got serious about the things of God. I studied a little bit of church history and I realized, man, it has not been a bed of roses that have brought us to this point. They've, they've suffered for their faith, for the freedoms and the liberties that I have. And I'm not gonna let that die on some ash heap called the United States of America because God is bigger than the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. There's coming a day when you swear allegiance to America means you don't swear allegiance to God. What? Is a Christian nation. No, it's not anymore. It's not anymore. We are the minority. And so we must treat ourselves as such and say, you know what? We're going we're gonna to bolster ourselves. We're going to strengthen ourselves. And we're going to be ready for whatever they throw at us. So you get your small group of people. You get some faith. You get a backbone. You say, you know what? I do love Jesus. And I'm willing to go to the mat for that. Not just because it's just fun to sing songs on Sunday morning. No. Uh-uh. There are places on the face of this where you can't open your mouth and sing a song to Jesus. Will you still love him? Wow, see. Praise the Lord. It's a good day. It is a good day. You know why? Because we're reminded of who we are and to whom we belong. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor things in the past or things that will ever keep me from the love of God. None of that could ever keep me from the love. This is why Paul sang songs and hymns chained to the floor of a prison. Why is he having a worship service in a prison? Because he knew that his, he had an internal persuasion of his eternal destination and his light and momentary affliction in the moment was so small compared to the greatness of what God had showed him was in store for those who believe. Right? That's us. That's you and me. Oh, man, that gets me excited. That gets me super jazzed. Whew, all right. I'm done. You can stand up. That's cool. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. God's good.
God is good. Yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, all right. So share this message with somebody. Tell them, hey, listen, man, it's not a drill. It's coming. It's happening. New York City, Chicago, everywhere. It's everywhere. It's an anaconda around the middle section of America. But we're not afraid. I hope you didn't hear any fear in me whatsoever. There is no fear in me whatsoever. Because perfect love casts out all fear. There's no fear. What will happen in that moment? When they knock on your door. What will you do? Who are you hiding in there? Well, you have to have a warrant. Not anymore. In the name of safety, we don't have to have warrants anymore. In the name of safety. In the name of democracy. See? Don't, some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord. So, Father, our hearts are open to you this morning. And, and we ask that you would lead us by your spirit. Give us a tenacity that's needed for the days that are upon us. Give us strength. You're here today and you're saying, I, I need to get right with God. This is, this is just what I needed to hear today. God is on the throne of my life. I'd like you to raise your hand with me. Whether you've done it before or this is the first time, here we are. We're unashamed. If you can't raise your hand in a church, you'll never raise it in, this, in the public square. You won't raise your hand in a church. You won't raise it when they say, who here is a Christian? Here we are, Jesus, like lambs, like lambs. Lead us, O great shepherd. And now may the peace of God that passes understanding guard your heart and your mind and keep you in Christ Jesus now and forever in the name of the Father who sent the Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit I bless you today and always now go serve him with gladness amen, amen. amen. God bless you have a great day praise the Lord as we conclude this podcast we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening if you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.